today's episode, Josh and I kick off by talking about the relationship with food and how the concept of intuitive eating can help us be more mindful about what is going on for us. I then asked Josh what one thing he would change about society today that would make it a better place. His answer is unsurprising and heartfelt, and we both found ourselves agreeing. We then talk about big tech and regulation and the role it has to play in functional modern democracies. Inevitably, we then wade into the big debate around Meghan and Harry, and we talk about the silly little man boy that is Piers Morgan. We talk about Blackout Tuesday 2020, International Women's Day 2021, the anxiety that a lot of people are feeling around the opening up of the world post lockdown, and then we give some tactical ways to address it. And we still fit in some top reasons to be cheerful too. I know we say it every time, but it really is a cracking episode. We hope you enjoy it. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Living exactly 115 miles apart, our lives could not have been more different growing up, yet we find ourselves today as really good friends with many similar outlooks and perspectives. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture and everything in between. Josh. Hassan. I see you gone for the 1999 man bun look today. Mate, I'm bringing it back to 2021, mate. They'll all be doing the man it bun. Yeah. They do it in the Only Way is Essex. You look a bit Only Way is Essex today. What, because I've got a man bun? And the tattoos well, show. Only Way is Essex is like 2010 anyway, not 1999, mate. Well, it, it all feels a bit like the 90s, yeah. uh, the way they dress. But do, no, you know the people you, who, do you know the people who diss my hair? They all have one thing in common. No hair. They're yeah. losing theirs. <laughs> oh, yeah, good. That's no, fine. I reckon, listen, I'm... I'm I'm almost 42. If you look at me from the front, it still looks pretty good. I'm pretty tall, yeah. so I think I can handle it. And then when it goes, like really bad, I'll either be really rich for my business and I'll just do a Wayne Rooney job. That's, that was a bad choice, actually. I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not Wayne Rooney. Would I'll you do, do like that? A Matthew McConaughey. Genuine question. Um, I would, but I wouldn't, I'd be very, very clear about it. Like I wouldn't try and hide it and just like go, go into hiding for, for, for three months and yeah. then turn up with a full head of hair and not say anything. Yeah. I'd just be really clear about it. Anyway, mate. Uh, well, no, I think you're, I think you're, I think you're lying, mate. I'll tell you what. No, um, you're not. But I would as well, by the way, if I ever, like, I would have no qualms about going and doing it, mate. I've seen some people who've had it done and it looks, they've had it done really well. Some people. Yeah. Or... If I've made no money, I'll just go Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my mission. Um, Josh, you're looking well. You're looking healthy. What's what's what's? Uh, I'm not joking. You, you you're looking very well at the moment. Thank you. Thank you. I'm uh, since the turn of the year, I've been um, focusing quite a lot on my um, the way that I fuel my body and the things that I do with my body. So. I've dropped um I've dropped a stone though it's not necessarily about weight I've dropped just under a stone in the last couple of months uh but I'm fueling my body in a in a much better way uh and cutting out kind of any binge eating or anything like that literally haven't done any and and haven't fallen into that trap at all this year yet So does no binge eating mean no tasty stuff at all or is it just not going like like opening five bags in a row of chocolates 
No, yeah, no, it doesn't mean no tasty stuff at all. I mean, so the first month's really, really hard, right? Because I like detox from everything and it feels very unnatural. It feels like I'm depriving myself, etc., and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think we talked a little bit about it in January and I, like I did feel like I was, I felt like what I was doing wasn't very healthy. But when I came through the first month and you get into like February, because I train in the morning for the rest of the day, I do what I would call like intuitive eating. So I, I kind of listen to my body and you start to recognize when you need a, like some sort of carb uh, and when you perhaps need a little bit of protein and you don't really need any carbs and that kind of stuff. So I do like intuitive eating and um, be much more mindful when I do eat. So mm. slow down and enjoy the food rather than just like... Shovel it. Shoveling yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like it's not that I haven't had any chocolate at all this year, but when you like now... Uh, the thought of eating chocolate just doesn't appeal to me uh, or very, very rarely, very seldom appeals to me. I'd rather eat things that um, feel like they're good for my body at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting, the whole intuitive eating thing, because I think it's really, really, really easy to do the opposite of that because we've been conditioned in that way, right? We're conditioned a lot more to eat fast food than we ever were like 20 years ago or 30 years ago or um, to eat convenience food or, you know, the way that they sell chocolate nowadays is, you you know, it's like you, you get the little bars like right by the counter or then you get these massive bars, mm. right? And that's all by design, right? You know, it's, um, and then it's all full of addictive uh, kind of ingredients so that you just want to keep going for it. But, uh, you know, similarly in the last few weeks, I've definitely, um, you know, taking, taking more, uh, uh, focus on health and eating and stuff like that and before that in the beginning of the year post Christmas you know there was still it was probably just still carrying on a little bit like mm. you know eat, you know eating whatever I wanted and stuff like that and so it's almost like you just don't even think about it it's like there but um but then actually as you sort of step away from it you do become more conscious and you're way more you know way more sort of responsive to uh, you know what's what's good, what's not, but also your your appetite for it definitely goes away, right? Mm. Um, if you if you just yeah, I think that's the key bit. thing. The key thing is for me has been the first month where I go like abstinent and what like I, obviously I can't abstain from food, but I go abstinent from any chocolate, any sugar, and I feel like I'm massively craving it and I want it, and that month feels like it's really unsustainable. But then I say a month, it you know I'm talking roughly a month. It might be give or take something, uh, you know in terms of time but once you reach that stage you do genuinely like I've I've had a couple of times where I've had a little bit of the kids chocolate and that and it's not like I think oh I failed I just get a little bit like oh like I couldn't eat any any more than that it just feels horrible in your body now it would only probably take me one crash or two crashes and I'd be bang back I'd have to do another month again I'd imagine yeah. um so yeah like I think a lot of foods now really tap into our kind of sugar addiction and stuff like that because you know you've got to remember as well it's not just people think it's just in chocolate and sweets and the end is it's in everything mate yeah. it's in everything yeah yeah because you associate it with particular um particular events uh in a day right mm. so some people uh eat chocolate post dinner sitting down bit of tell it oh should you have a little piece and then it never is a little piece or whatever and then uh, or a drink, you know, <laughs> you know, we don't have to talk about that with you. Like, it, like it's basically, you know, one 
to unwind then it goes on and goes on then you you know for some people it's like you you're half you're halfway through a bottle and then you through a bottle or whatever you know and it's like okay that you know it's just because you're associating that with as we've talked about sometimes it's okay the end of the work day the start of the you know the evening or yeah, whatever exactly and it is the same thing it's the same thing as drink i mean it, 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 in a lot of ways the eating stuff's even harder because you can't just abstain from it mm. You can't just go, right, I'm just not going to, my relationship with food has got so toxic, I'm just not going to eat food. You can, yeah. Like I did with alcohol, you can't do that. And listen, I've had, a, I, I've had a terrible relationship with food since I quit drinking. As in, like, it's like my only vice, isn't it? And, you know, mm. so uh, I, this year, genuinely, I'm in the best place I've ever been in terms of my relationship with, with food, mate. It's, at the moment, it's it's brilliant. I, I think I've, uh, we talk about this in a bit more depth on another pod or or actually you should do something about it because I think a lot of people struggle with their relationship with food and it's not that you are necessarily the the expert on it and there are lots of thinking but I think it you know it would help a lot of people because you know a, a lot of people do um, have uh, a toxic unhealthy a dependent relationship on food mm. I mean I know you know as a as a as a kid growing up when we didn't have a lot of money uh we didn't have a lot uh you know of stuff uh one you know my you know obviously I've talked about this on the pub before my my dad passed away when I was 10 months old so it was just the three of us and and you know my mum like what she knew had to do really well was cook Mm. and so a lot of comfort for all of us really um to kind of get us through what you know those early years was through food and so um that a lot of my relationship you know with food is stemmed around comfort and um and it's been a lifelong thing you know like yeah. i can it, it, you know it doesn't affect me in the same way as i think it affects some other people but it's not it's a lifelong thing really yeah and and not a lot of people kind of talk about the the whole intuitive eating thing right when you look at like the um sort of fitness space and then you look at even the nutrition space you get and i'm not uh digging anyone out here because you know everyone's doing great jobs in, in in terms of what they do and stuff like that but a lot of the like fitness space is filled with people whose addictions are fitness and they're working with people whose addictions are food and there's a mm. real disconnect because mm. they're just like just eat less calories and train more and it's like that's great for you because that's what really works for you but if your vice is food, until you get back, until you start tapping into the emotional cues and stuff like that, listen, it's part of my, uh, part of being able to become, to get to the place where I am with food is because I've put a lot of my routines firmly cemented them back in place. My breath work, meditation, uh, exercise is just, it, it's just a part of that. But being in touch with my emotions, making sure that I'm communicating them properly, trying to communicate them to my wife and my family much better than I'm all right, I'm all right, let me do a tub of ice cream. So until, I think until you connect the way that you eat to being a response to avoiding emotions, then sometimes that's where the, I think there's a massive disconnect. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, in- Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Um- uh, I, and I think it's all it's it's you've got to do it yourself. So uh, you know, the whole idea of you know somebody who's addicted to um, working out, you know, and 
helping a person who is addicted to food, who isn't in great shape, there's a disconnect. There's such a massive disconnect that they will, that they, you know, unless they align on a vision together, they're never going to be able to get there because they'll always be in sort of combat with each other. And look, as a coach, I talk about this a lot. Mm. There's kind of, there's, there's the sort of the uh, break you down, build you up for your weaknesses and target a weakness and, and work on that. And a lot of people, you know, in sport, you know, have a lot of success there. And, um, and I think there's, there's value in it. Our approach in our coaching work is a strengths-based approach. It's positive psychology. It's not like, you know, it's not woo-woo and overly spiritual. It's about it, all it's, you know, all we're saying is, you know, lead with the things that energize you. Mm. So it's not about ignoring your weaknesses or it's not about ignoring your performance risks. It's about um, uh, figure out what energizes you and use that to, to, um, to help you. So one of the things that really energizes me is strategic mindedness. It's thinking about the future. So actually I use that strength to think about what, you know, what what I want to build into as opposed to oh, I've eaten too I've eaten a tub of ice cream therefore let me just, you know, tackle that. I think they work in tandem. You can't ignore your your risks, the things that you need to work on your drainers, but I think sometimes if you just, you know, if somebody's basically just saying, fix that, fix that, fix that, fix that, it's going to be dissonant for you. Yeah. And, you, and so you might do it in the moment and you work really hard and then you go. And that's why you get so many, so much yo-yoing going on with crash dieting and things like that. It's never really long-term sustainable. Only 20% of people that do a diet apparently ever carry it through. Mm. That means 80% of people that do diets screw up. Yeah, yeah. And I bet it's, it's even less fault. than that if you did it over two years, if you said... How you know what I mean? Like I don't. Does anybody keep a diet up for their whole life? Well, actually, uh, let's call it a fad diet, by the way, because a diet just means what you eat, right? So yeah, I've always been on yeah. a diet. It's just I'm, I imagine that I think it's the ones that you know only twenty percent of people who went on a diet, I guess, maintain a healthy live, uh, yeah. lifestyle after that. Maintain, I think yeah. that's what it is. Not not yeah. maintaining the diet. Yeah, yeah. So Josh, I've got some questions for you today. Oh, love a question, Hass. Um, what one thing would you change about society today that would make the world a better place what one thing would I change about society uh, so western society yeah as in the society in which we exist in yeah I'd say let's point it towards what we live yeah. in yeah uh how we invest in our children. I don't just mean in terms of money. I mean um, emotionally and um, holistically, like in the in the whole way that, that we approach them. You look at like the way that they're talking about the return to, to, to school. They're talking about taking their summer holidays away from them. And there's this real catch-up mentality. We're basically telling the children that, you know, you're really behind. Um and actually, I think when you create emotionally safe spaces with emotionally available adults where children can constantly feel like they're part of a community where they're able to consistently comprehend the ways that they feel, I think you create a much better adult society. So I 100% wholeheartedly believe so many of the issues that we see within our society today in terms of within adults is driven by how much children are simply an afterthought in the way in which we construct our communities and our society and i so 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 the one thing that i would change 
is I would make children the absolute center focus of, of, of everything that we do. Oh, and how? Like, what, what, how would we do that? Oh, listen, you didn't, you didn't tell me it has to be reachable. No, uh, no, no, just like, like what, what could we start with? What could we do? Well, firstly, we, we, we would have to look at the way that we invest. And it's horrible that it comes back to money because in the structures that we exist in, that's the, the way that happens. So we would have to invest. Um, but alongside that investment, I would say take away the academic pressures that we put children under. If you're naturally um, academically gifted, I believe that with the right emotionally nurturing environment, you will succeed. Um, and I don't think that needs to be necessarily a pressured environment. I think if you, some people do do, do better when they're put under a little bit more pressure. Um, but I think you'd be, you'd be able to implement that still if you took away some of the academic stuff. Like academically, I'm naturally pretty good, right? I don't need to look at stuff much too much and then I pick it up pretty quickly. I did really, really well in my GCSEs and I spent the last two years in isolation and never really tried learning, right? So I was able to kind of just pick up the academic side anyway. What I was hugely lacking was the, the emotional side of it. So so first, first it would be investment. It would be about um, making the teaching profession or working within education and young people desirable and one that people would want to go to. If your children grow up now, right, and they w really want to do well and be successful in their lives and they say, I want to be a teacher, doesn't matter what you say, there's going to be a part of you that thinks, I mean, listen, if you love teaching, that's great, but that's the only benefit from going into being a teacher at the moment. It's not about, you know, sociable hours and the money, all of it, it's rubbish, all of it when you look at how much work they do outside of their pay remit as well. So we've got to make it, I, I think we'd have to make it more desirable. I'd go even further than that, by the way, and I would invest in uh, parents when they have children. I would find a way to allow men much longer time as fathers, uh, paternity. Uh, I would find ways to help families in general spend much more of their younger years with their children. Uh, so... You know, like a bit like the Scandinavian countries do. Mm. So I would probably yeah. lean way more towards that. I mean, it would be a huge job, Hass. Um, but that would be how I'd answer the question. And what's, what's the saying? Anything hard is worth doing or something? There's something like that. I mean, if it, it's worth doing, you know, like it's worth doing. It's worth um, taking a moment like now to start to address some of this stuff. Unfortunately... And I don't really want to steer us towards the government right now because it, it would just end up with you shouting at me for 30 minutes uh, <laughs> about, about Boris and Matt, Honka, Matt Hancock um, and Keir Starmer. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, I think uh, this is a moment where uh, in, in, in history where there's a potential for a bit of a reset, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and I think um, children is, you know, ch children's welfare... Um, future is is of the utmost importance because they have suffered significantly. Everyone suffered, right? Everyone suffered, and people will point to children and say they've, you know, in the scheme of things, they've suffered least because they haven't died and they've got, you know. But we know the truth, right? And, yeah. Uh, um, that there's a massive impact, but because they're children and people think they'll bounce back and they've got all their years ahead of them, they sort it's almost simplified the effect mm. uh, on the impact on them. What would you um, change, Hasp? 
Are you moving on to another question or can I ask you? No, what no, you no, think? no. Yeah, no, I would change. Again, this is one that, you know, I don't know. It's not eat straightforward, but I would change the uh, the level of freedom that big tech has in its ability to uh, influence countries and democracies. So, uh, you know, Facebook has a lot to answer for in terms of where the world sees itself now. Not just Facebook, Twitter, probably Instagram, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's a lot of people that would argue with me, but I think the fact that, you know, because there's this balance between, you know, free speech and uh, not censoring um, versus... Uh, protecting people it, and and it's a difficult place to to be and to grow really quickly into i think um in between that space uh deviousness evil criminality has found its way to fester and it has really it's it's worked out how to basically uh, upend democracy and so that's you saw that with things like brexit you saw that with things like um the, you know, the way that uh, we were probably viewing what was going down with, you know, Me- uh, Meghan and Harry yesterday versus what other people were seeing. You know, I'm really like before I never used to think about it. Right. But I'm really aware that there's so much going on in terms of uh, conversation and chatter that's not just not showing up on my feed. And why is that? Because the algorithm is pointing me away from this vitriolic race baiting stuff that's going on and i just think uh the companies are getting bigger it's all about you know user engagement and you know and their brand getting bigger and i think uh that has had a massive you know since the emergence of the big tech in society it's had a massive negative impact and we talked about it last time it's had a massive impact on children Right. Mm. And uh, if I even just sometimes look at what my kids have been searching up, right, on Google, it's, 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 you know, it's stuff that we shouldn't be thinking about when we're at their, at their age. It's mm. like, it's just like, what, what, what do you want to know about all that stuff for? And it's about, you know, it might be about, uh, you know, staying healthy. Um, What's happening to daddy's of, hair? What's happening to daddy's hair? What, you know, can he get regain? Um, um, yeah, no, that sort of stuff. You know, it's like, um, yeah, it's like, um, I think that's had a big part to play in, in, in where society is. And I think there's a moment, you know, now with a new president and with Trump out and all that sort of stuff in the US, with what's going on here, it's a moment now to start to look at some of these big tech companies. Mm. And um, there is an argument that they need to be treated more like media companies and the regulation that comes with media. And I don't know that that's a bad thing. Yeah, I think there's a real grey area here, though, with the whole, uh, like, um, uh, what's the word? Stopping people saying certain things. You see, I'm not I'm not saying um, that it's an easy thing, right? No, I know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I sort of don't even think you can stop people saying, but you ha- like what what Twitter started to do a little too late but was starting to flag posts that were coming and I think just stuff more like that which helps people to filter which helps people to 
uh, understand kind of what might be fake news. And then they have to put a lot more effort. I, I'm not about censoring people that have opposing views to me. Not at all. Mm. What, I, what I'm opposed to is, the, um, is perpetuating and growing fake stuff right yeah. and so and 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 convince people it's real if you are going to put a political ad out knowing it to be false and knowing that it's going to sway people then i think there has to be because it's a kind of a political ad or whatever there has to be better better checks and balances around that sort of 100%. stuff in advertising even That's if you're I putting mean. it on the side of a bus yes exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and and by the way uh, at the last election, the, the Tories set up loads of fake accounts, didn't they? Like fake nurses accounts saying, I love Boris Johnson and stuff like that. I mean, it was out. And the, I'm not just calling out Tories. I'm sure Labour have done stuff and other things have done stuff as well. But that kind of stuff is bad, right? That's really not good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I'd, I'd be curious to know if, if, you know, if the internet didn't exist in the way it does today, how would people vote? On particular items, right? Would would Trump have gotten in? Would he have gotten seventy eight million votes in the last election? Would Brexit have happened? Maybe, but um, you know that you know, you know they they exposed Cambridge Analytica and you know mm-hmm. the way that it, you know the way that it is it, you know it siloed people and things like that. So that's what I would say. That's you know I think it, you know it would make society better if there was. Uh, a, a deeper uh, understanding and some more regulation in the way big tech companies operate because they've scaled massively and they they have become culturally impactful more quickly than than there's been an opportunity to look at what they do yeah agreed all right mate so um something was on the telly yesterday night in the uk yes do you know what it was? Uh, Leeds West Ham. <laughs> Don't, let's not talk about Leeds West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> I had a terrible fancy football week. Uh, I know everyone listening is, fol- is following uh, the trials and tribulations of my fancy football team this season. Yeah, I mean, you had a terrible year about week. Uh, just in general, yeah. So it was the Harry and Meghan interview. Yeah. Did you watch it? I did watch it. Right. I did watch it. I didn't watch um, it. Okay, so intentionally. What do you th- okay, what do you think about this whole hype that's been created about this thing? Obviously, you, you didn't watch it, but you 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 can't have. I knew what went on. Hype. Yeah, I was. Uh, to, I'll, I'll be. I'll be real with you. Uh, it really triggered me yesterday. I really struggled throughout the day with the news that was going on uh, to watch uh, a young couple that feel like the family system that they existed in wasn't for them and was causing them problems to the point of one of them feeling suicidal uh, and the world jibing them and laughing at them. One of the most powerful voices, unfortunately, in uh, the UK, which is Piers Morgan and the views that he gets. I, I, I mean, before it came out, if you went on Twitter, I don't know how much of it is to do with my algorithms, but everyone couldn't wait to get and watch Piers Morgan and see what he had to say about it. Um, so watching them all, watching him bait it um, and just say it was a lie and the gaslighting of, while Prince Philip was in hospital as well, do you know how many children that exist in dysfunctional environments 
that get told when they bring their emotions to the forefront, I can't believe you're doing this when your uncle is poorly or whatever. Mm. Like that, that is happening all of the time, all of the time. And if you live in an, listen, if you're gonna, if you're a child, if you're a young person and you're gonna get abused by someone, right? Forget stranger danger, it don't happen, or very rarely it happens. It's gonna be one of your family members. And if you watched what was going on in our world yesterday, you ain't coming forward. Mm -hmm. and, and so um, that's why I, I was, it makes me so angry when I'm watching it last night. It makes me so angry. Now, there's a conversation to be had. Harry and Meghan could both be lying through their teeth. I don't know. I don't know them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when somebody comes forward in that way, it's our duty as a society to handle that with compassion. And by the way, if they are lying, then then they're not very well either. Not very well, maybe not the right term, but there's something going on there as well. Your man lost his mum in front of everybody. They made him walk behind the coffin and all that sort of stuff, yeah? You see what, what's his name? We're gonna go on and talk about this in a minute. I, I thought what he said this morning was incredible, but, and her, she comes from a very seemingly dysfunctional family environment. He's been on the telly today, the dad, saying the reason he keeps talking to the public is because they won't talk to him. Well, let me tell you. Oh, that, that, Megan's, Megan's dad, yeah, is it? that in itself is uh, highly dysfunctional. I keep talking publicly about my child because my child won't talk to me. Uh, well, he's getting his 15 minutes of fame again. Like, he, you know, he basically... Loves it. Fell away from it. You can tell the kind of person he is, right? And then he fell away from it. Yeah, no, the, the thing you just pointed to, I just um, I had his first name, but his surname is uh, Beresford. Alex Beresford is... A co-presenter on G, uh, what is it? Good morning. He's the weatherman. Oh, he's the weatherman, is he? Or okay. he used to be, but I think he's he's done quite well in the last year in the way that he spoke. So he's a bit more than a weatherman now. Right, but um, he called Piers Morgan out. He called him out, he, and you know, and I think that took an incredible amount of courage because it's really obvious that Piers Morgan has a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of clout. Uh, in that in that organization in that place right because if for you to be able to say the things you do uh, in the way that you do that are, you know that are clearly very one-sided and very uh, focused on particular individuals or parts of society um, you can tell that everyone around him is afraid you know his his uh, co-host Susanna Reid just she doesn't say a thing and it's like you almost wonder what's what's the point of having two of them on if they always mm. agree or if you're too scared to say anything um so for him to step up and do that and i you know and i encourage people to go and have a look at that i think it's really brave very courageous and 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 good on him it's sad for me you know you know as a person of color to hear how so many people are trying to say it's not about race you know and it really clearly is about race. It's not the only thing I would imagine that this whole thing is about, but there is definitely an element of it, and it definitely came up yesterday. And um, as you know, as part of a mixed race couple and uh, with children of dual heritage, it triggered me a lot as well. Yeah, it, you know, because it matters to me because it's you know what's going, what's playing out as an indication of what's going on in society and how society feels. And, uh, you know, so if, if somebody, you know, says this is my experience, that the whole world says, no, you're lying. So I was really pleased that they got their place. Um, 
I don't know whether they're lying or not. So I can only go by my gut intuition. I've followed my intuition my whole life and I've done pretty well out of it. And what I would say is I believe them. So if you want me to declare what, what where I stand, I stand with uh, Meghan and Harry. Because mm-hmm. I can look, I've had enough experience with institutions and institutionalism to know that that's totally possible. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see enough behind kind of the firm or the institution to believe that that's possible. Um, so yeah, like I think it was an important conversation and what uh, is really um, galling to see is that it is just yet another example of uh, the big divide in our country because there are the people that just will will not believe or refuse to believe that there were, you know, there were undertones of racism in this and even when it's declared publicly, um, that they won't believe the person who's saying it. So, and and also, I don't know if you saw. Um, I saw one interview on Twitter where Good Morning Britain had got um, some lady on there, some white middle class lady who happens to know the royals, and their, their their line of questioning was, "Have you ever seen racism in the in the royal family? Have you ever seen?" And like you know, Piers Morgan was doing that. that so, so let me just be clear: you've never seen any racism, and it's like that's the wrong question. We're not talking about people necessarily running about chucking out the n-word left right and center we're talking about systemic racism yeah. and so what he yeah. does is he jumps to this other thing and goes well there's no racism you can't see it if this lady here i don't know who she was if, if she hasn't seen it and by the way by the way she probably wouldn't see if it was right in front of her eyes which is the, which is the problem well uh, that's why she was on the show well, exactly right right uh, look Piers Morgan is the epitome of white, privileged, male, middle-class, elitist. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he, like, he, like, so it, it, he is uh, always going to defend his position because structures inherently protect themselves, and that's mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, but what what happened yesterday was, you know, he had. I think ITV have a lot to answer for, right? They they brought um, somebody on who clearly had a strong opinion in support of um, of Meghan and Harry. Uh, uh, I forget her name, uh, Doctor Shola, somebody. Um, mm-hmm. And she was, you know, she was particularly uh, vociferous in her kind of uh, in her views around uh, racism and oppression and structures and. Uh, bias and things like that and then they had uh, a, 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 an ex-soldier a black man who had won the Victoria Cross who'd had a lot of time with the royals and who'd had a different experience with the royals and they basically just said see like let's what about you have you ever experienced racism it was just like clearly they were doing tokenism blatantly in front of us and because they were losing he was losing the argument he went well, let's listen to what you've got to say. So I imagine that's why they brought this, you know, this royal correspondent lady out just to be able to point to saying, I've never seen something like yeah. that before. And your man this morning, what's his name? The weather guy? Alex Alex Beresford. When you say he called Piers Morgan out, called called him out makes it sound like he sort of was like, you have done it. He didn't. He very compassionately spoke yeah. about Meghan and Harry and cited facts you used to be friends with Megan. Yeah. yeah. yeah? You've, we know that. Everybody knows that. She cut you out. I haven't seen her say anything bad about you. He was very calm. He wasn't shouty. He wasn't in his face or anything like that. 
he called him out and he held the truth up to his face and he said very calmly you deal with that and he couldn't deal with it and as and he, he walked, walked off, off he said you're diabolical and it was diabolical yeah. behaviour it was yeah. diabolical behaviour it was a man who had nowhere to go who felt like he couldn't respond to that without making himself look stupid and he lost and he's, he's completely he's completely uh, shown what a big baby he is you know that exactly he could, you know if you're going to give it you've got to be able to take it yeah exactly you know? And that says everything. But look, what do we expect from the guy who basically tapped? He tapped people's phones and endorsed it, and you know, and and uh, when he was editor of yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, and you've got to be careful because he, because he's made a career. He's making his career at the moment on picking a side that he thinks will wind most people up, uh, but that will keep some people on side in the way that he does. He flutters between sides to try and keep as many people on side as he can while upsetting another yeah. side. So he, know, yeah. like he knows exactly, he knows exactly what he's doing. The guy, right? Sure, he does. But so, 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 and and ITV, I, I think, are the ones that need to uh, respond to what's going on here because he will always do what he's doing. Now, view for them, it seems like viewer ratings are more important than than the right mm. you know, than the right thing. Um, Mind have I done something. Have I you seen that? No, I the charity that. Mind have put out a thing saying we're in conversation with ITV. Uh, when any, whenever somebody reaches out or speaks publicly or on any level or about being suicidal, uh, to be told that they're liars and that they're not believed is hugely, hugely damaging. And so, like, Mind have come out, like, people are t- retweeting it left, right, Good. and centre. Do you know what I mean? Good. Because uh, I, I didn't, you know, th- this is a free-to-air service, right? And uh, we're not, you know, like, this isn't Fox News. It's ITV. Yeah. And you you cannot have a Fox News anchor, which I believe Piers Morgan is, on ITV. Yeah. He always seemed like an odd choice to me. Um, and so I think something needs to happen. Here's the problem. One of the problems. I bet they had massive ratings this morning. Of course they did. So. Yeah. They won't care that much. But that's a problem. I know it because, is, yeah. You know, because... And they, they, do their, they, did their, they did their mental health campaign, didn't they, last year? Was it like before Britain's Got Talent or something? They made everybody go quiet oh, or something right. like that. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so they got to be careful because people will start... There'll be a up. backlash. No, the, the thing about society today, the positive thing is that there is, you know, there is backlash. There in will a way be a backlash, that, yeah. That, that you don't see anymore. 100% there will be. Um, okay. We're coming up soon to that moment where the whole world did a blackout Tuesday. Do you remember it last year? I remember it well, yeah. What do you think about the progress that's been made since blackout Tuesday last year? What do I think about the progress? I don't know. I mean, it's like, when I, when I listen, I'm not really in the space probably to make a um an informed don't, don't sit don't sit on the fence i'm not going to sit on the fence i'm not going to sit on the fence right but i'm just highlighting um that i recognize that i can't make a very informed uh, uh argument either way but in the in the spheres that i exist in um i don't see any white people still talking about it in the way that they talked about it for a week uh, I don't see some of the people on, that were committing to doing things online I haven't seen I have seen one actually I'm lying 
TMS, I've seen they regularly over the last year have actually up, done updates on LinkedIn about the work that they're yeah. doing. Yeah. Uh, so aside from them, I can't think of any uh, other organizations that I can remember. I might, I, I might be wrong. Uh, I do feel like from on a personal level, uh, we've kind of, we, we have certainly followed through. It's been a, you know, it's almost been like a constant theme on this podcast. And we've had difficult, challenging conversations around it, which has helped me to, you know, further my and deepen my understanding of it. Yeah, um, I think we've definitely had conversations. I, if I re reflect back, I wish, if I'm being really honest, I wish I'd, I, I wish I'd done more. Yeah. If I'm really honest. I mean, like the thing is, there's the sort of the stuff that you do publicly and there's the stuff you do behind the scenes, right? And there's sort of work that, that we're doing as a company to support conversations and, you know, and we use our skills to help people have the conversations to do things in the right way. Mm -hmm. so I've been supporting a lot of um, big programs around what organizations do around their DEI and I practices. And then having conversations with people and talking about on this podcast. So in the scheme of things, I think, you know, we've made some progress. I'd like to make more progress, you know, and I'd like to m hold us, you and me to account to do more of it. Mm -hmm. But overall, I think, you know, all, all the voices, all the companies that that spoke about change and made you know, all these big pledges. Um, I just haven't seen it showing up. Yeah. So like we, ha you know, what we haven't done is gone and done the deep diagnosis of the work that's been done. And I'm sure that a lot of companies will be able to point to certain quotas of, of, you know, conversations and things like that, but not enough changes happen. And the reason I'm bringing it up now is because this week was international women's day. And, um, and so obviously, you know, social media was, a wash yesterday with lots of acknowledgement. And I'm really, you know, I'm supportive of that um, uh, campaign, the movement to uh, to amplify, uh, you know, the voice around women rights, the role they play in our society, the importance to give them equality, all that sort of stuff. And then there was a lot that you could just see, you know, some people were just, using it as a way to celebrate women in their lives, um, but don't really talk about women or those women or what they do or their views on equality for women throughout the rest of the year. And I know we've had this conversation about, you know, you know the importance of a, the, the, the international days and the marking days um, and because everyone's eyes are on it in, in the moment. But I just feel there was a lot of... Virtue signaling. Virtue signaling, it's on a it's on a content calendar somewhere. And the reason I, ra I raised Blackout Tuesday is because it's going to happen again with yeah. that. And I want to call it out before it happens, not after. Yeah. So, you know, there's companies, there's people that made a big deal of it and, you know, really wanted to speak to their communities. People, you know, like who are who run founder communities and things like that, um, who made a big deal of it. But then... Uh, haven't done anything since and they've moved on and they're talking about other things and yesterday we were talking about International Women's Day which is you know plaudible plaud plaudible but you know uh, w you know this is a big big thing that uh, people made a big deal of and I just haven't seen the level of change in a sustained way that I would have expected to see mm. no I agree with you did you post on any of your social media like a picture of your mum you and your mum and say 
This is me. And, this is the most important woman in my life, and uh, you know, I, I I don't employ any women highly and within my business. But here's a picture of me and my mum. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Good point. No, exactly right. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't. Unfortunately, I wish I had. Now, just uh, you know, but no, it's right. There's a lot of people that are just uh, total hypocrites. Yeah, uh, and I and rather, you know, deeds not words was. Uh, the motto of the suffragette movement and, you know, Emmeline Pankhurst. And uh, it's not about what you say on social media. It's about what you do. Yeah. And you know what? I think like there's a, there's a big part of me. I, I didn't post anything, you know, I didn't, I didn't do anything like that. But what I would say to anyone is kind of step into my arena, look at the life I live and the way that I show up to my life in terms of, and what that means for women, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm very comfortable in what you would see. Very comfortable. Not least because I've got four daughters and a wife. I don't really have yeah. much of a choice but to yeah. be comfortable. Yeah. But like, I, I, I say that in, 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 in jest, but also because it's the truth as well. And um, I, yeah. I also don't feel like, if you feel like you need to, like I feel like uh, there is this sort of, You've got to speak authentically with your voice. So if you feel it, say it. If you wanted to post, if I wanted to post a picture of my mum, I would yeah. have, yeah, because yeah. or my sister or 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 my partner or my daughters or whatever. Um, but not because there's a bandwagon, and not because you know it's in your content calendar yeah. or oh, it's and, Women's and, Day. And what by can the way, I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, just because I didn't post doesn't mean I don't feel strongly about it. I feel yeah. very strongly about it. I about feel very strongly about, yeah. uh, you know, the world that my daughters will live into and their opportunities and how important they are in my lives. And and all, you know, all the, you know, the strong female leaders and people within my network. I feel strongly about it, but yeah. I don't feel like I have to, all you know, yeah. to do what everyone says, just because if I don't, oh, look, you know, Mavericks didn't say something about it. Yeah, I don't exactly. Care about that. That's why I'm much more like step into my. I've got no. I don't feel like I need to post it because I'm like, like you say, if I felt really compelled or it was in my kind of sphere in that time, and it was like I feel really moved to do it, I would have done it. But I certainly didn't think it's International Women's Day. What can I post? Who can I put up? There was something great on Talk Sport Mind where they were talking about like women athletes. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. it was so good. Yeah, it was really good to listen to. Uh, yesterday evening, yeah. Just as a Check side note. All right, um, Josh, where do you feel anxiety? Uh, in my in my chest, uh, across the top of my shoulders. Um, if it's kind of induced by guilt, it can be in my stomach. Uh, the, the way that I go to the toilet, how, how regular or irregular, um, can be all over my body. Is that the question you were asking? Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, and like, to, what happens when it gets to your head? Like it Does it get to your head? In terms of mentally, in yeah, uh, then it can sort of a part of me will take over me where and it will encompass what I do and who I am um, and it will become a polarized part of myself mm. and I tend to hide that behind anger normally mm. I get agitated mm. with people definitely I can definitely like I get I get grumpy 
Like, uh, you know, I can, when I'm feeling anxious about something, like the closest to me will probably feel it most. Mm -hmm. The reason I ask you is because, you know, we've talked about uh, last pod, we talked about, you know, the fact that we're excited about the fact uh, that we're going to be released soon and, you know, we're going to be able to do stuff. But there's a massive part of society that's feeling anxious about it. Mm. And I know because I'm having it in lots of my conversations with my clients and I'm seeing it. And there's a part of me that feels it a little bit as well, mm-hmm. which is this this cocoon that I've built at home with my family, um, not having to kind of commute and not have to kind of appear in a particular way or, you know, and it's all in, within my control. I don't know what's on the other side of June 21st, mm-hmm. you know, and so, but I feel that there's a lot of people that are anxious mm. as much as there are people that are excited about what's about to happen, you know. So there are people that, it's, you know, it's really affecting their mental health about, you know, what, what, who, will they have to be different? Do they have to be exuberant and, and flamboyant and, you know, and there's a lot of people that have lost community being in lockdown. So the idea of coming out and not really having friends, mm-hmm in the same way or your contacts is, is, is getting people down. Yeah. I think once once it does open up and we begin to kind of integrate, it'll be one of them things where it will subside, I think, um, quicker than people actually think, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Once you do get back around connection, it's a bit like, uh, I'm trying to think of an analogy, but like the, when you start doing it, it when people do start doing it it'd be like oh this is what I was missing like this is what I was missing do you know what I mean mm. uh, so I think there'll be a big part that, that there'll be a big part of that to it um, and it will be a struggle for many mm. it will be the anxiety will be worse than the reality right uh, you know in, in, in for, for, for many people like just kind of coming outside and just starting to get a bit more like, like life the idea of it is yeah be, I really have to get that reality. balance I really have to get that balance right because I, I like I never get excited about social events mm. ever I'll pretend I am to the people but if there's a lot of people that I never get excited about it but quite often if I show up there once I get I get myself there I think oh, that, that was quite enjoyable I normally come away before most other people but um but it's Parisian the- exit. Yeah. <laughs> so the Parisian exit, I had to master it when I was an HR director because the thing is, you you got to show your face at, at social events at work because mm-hmm. you got to show you're one of the people. But you definitely don't want to be there at the end of the parties because that's when you had to step in and be a party pooper. Yeah. So uh, the Parisian exit is, hey, mingle for a bit, have a drink or two. And then disappear without saying goodbye. Oh, there you that go. Was, yeah, that's that's me all day long. That. <laughs> that's me all day long. <laughs> the reason we we hang out with each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, exactly. So, so yeah. Th- but but there will be a build up of anxiety, um, and I think it's one of them things that like. I think we have to always come back to ourselves. That like it's very simple with a lot of like the work that I do. I was talking to. So I did a self delivered one of my self care. Uh, trainings yesterday with an organization and I was just chatting to the person that set it up afterwards and and like I was just saying there's nothing really to this other than just creating a space like and I know I go on about that but just a space where you go just hang on a minute just forget the external stuff forget what you were just come back right let's take a, a breath right come back to our body you started off with the best question where do you feel it right what are you feeling 
Okay, there's some tension in my ch Okay, right, cool, right. So now we're curious about it. Where's that coming from? What does it feel like? Well, I'm a bit worried about this. Okay, that makes sense. And then when somebody listens and doesn't try and fix it, doesn't go, what are you worried about? Well, I'm worried about uh, when we start opening everything back up. Okay, well, let's try and do this. Let's fix that. Just just acknowledge it and be like, okay, yeah, okay, I get it. What else? What else he's going to... And then you get it all out there. Somebody listens to you, reminds you that you're a human and that it's all pretty normal to feel and experience everything that you're experiencing. And then there's there's huge release in that. What's, what's brilliant there is um, I talk about something called open loops or we talk about something called open loops. Um, and what happens is when, when it circulates and bounces off the walls inside your mind, it just gets bigger and bigger and they all get tangled up. So your open loops, all these thoughts... These yeah. things, these anxieties that get they get overly complicated and entangled, and just by sharing them with somebody one by one, you know, getting them out or even writing them down, what you're doing is you're you're firstly what you're doing is you're getting it out of your head, so you're un 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 jumbling it, mm -hmm. right? The open loops they're in front of you, and when you clear your mind, you can see okay, all these things, not all of them are equal. You know, some of them are just, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of not as significant as the others, but they were being so significant because you did, they were all kind of you know, merging into one. So by getting it out of your head, you're closing the loops. And then when you look at it, if you write it down or if you speak it to a person, you realise that actually, okay, no, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe mm. it's not quite as bad. It, that one thing is quite, you know, that is that is something I need to look at. But the rest that I've been, you know, building up actually doesn't have as much power now that I've said it out loud or now that I've written it down. Yeah. So actually, I think that's a really powerful thing that we've just uncovered. So, if it, you know, if anyone is feeling a bit anxious about what's about to happen or the uncertainty, you know, just try pairing up with somebody and just sort of sharing what's on your mind. And the pairing uh, if, up thing is really important. Like the the massive thing I do with the self-care training that I do is at the beginning, everyone says I'm responsible for my self-care. It's all about me. What can I, it's called self-care. So it's all about what I do for myself. And I say, no, it's about looking after the self. And in order to do that, you need other people. Yeah, there's things that we can do on our own and there's personal responsibility. But let me tell you, there's nothing as powerful for yourself as being present with somebody else who can hold space for you. The first exercise that I do is I go, you're in a breakout room, you're with one other person, one of you shares something that's coming up for you that you're worried about and that's taking up your other, your headspace. The other person, no fixing, no changing, just listen. Act like a detective who's there to gather information. I go, you've got seven minutes each and they normally all go seven minutes. Like, cool, that's ages. Like, what am I gonna talk about, right? You go in, when you get them back out afterwards, they're like, didn't have enough time. Like mm -hmm. I was a bit tentative at the beginning, but once I started talking and they just listened, I was going blah, 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 and it came, all came out. Mm -hmm. and you don't you don't have to do anything with it you say what do we do with that now they, they never ask you that because they come out and they go yeah I feel lighter I feel more clear in what I was what I was doing and the person's not giving them any advice or anything like that they've held space and that's it and it's so like it's so important um, and it's so important to make sure that we're doing it now for people regularly stop we don't need to look for a fix there ain't no fix right we've been forced into situations that are not human that, that, are not, that don't fulfil us so Let's hold space for each other, help each other to be curious about that stuff, yeah? And we, and we will move through it together in that way. But Brilliant. What a brilliant way to come to reasons to be cheerful. A, like a really, really lovely way to kind of give people a bit of thought here, uh, here. about how they can support. So, what's your reason to be cheerful this week, Josh? 
So I've got two because I, I I just want to point that like that I have to add in the Pierce Morgan thing that happened this morning. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I know that's form. a little bit devious of me to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But I do want to uh, like listen to, for him. I, hopefully, it might make him self reflect a little bit and make him think. You know what? That felt awful when somebody pinned me down like that. I don't think it will, but mm. it may start a needed, very needed conversation about the way in which he shows up as well. Maybe maybe it won't come from him, but it might come from the people around him. Mind are already making moves to do that. Uh, the second thing is, uh, actually it's quite linked to what we've just talked about, is uh, we've talked a little bit about this over the last couple of days as well. The importance of my circle and, and using my circle and the people that I let into my circle. Yeah, um, I've got, like a very small amount of people in my life that I'm able to connect in with regularly to hold space for me in a way that helps me to uh, do the things that I, that I do. And I, you know, we talked about the food and all that kind of stuff that I've done. And I've gone back and done a little bit of a reset about around my intentions of the work that I do and all of that kind of stuff. And I need trusted people in my life that are close to me that I feel like I can do that with. Um, so I've been doing that with, like me and you do it just regularly all of the time. Been doing it with a couple of other men in my life as well. And it's just been really, really important. And that connection for me, as somebody who's always been, you know, I've spent my life trying to make these kind of connections with men. I have it with men in my life now, which is just massive, mm -hmm. massive. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, to title it in a way that you would, uh, <laughs> I can't, I don't know, connection with men uh, is my <laughs> <laughs> Keep working on the titles, man. Monumental the, the men connections. No. Monumental no. men membership matters. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. Nailed it. Thanks, mate. Um, um, no, I really, I think that's a really important point, you know, just uh, the importance of connecting with people and, and the trust and, the, the, you know, the uh, the willingness to be vulnerable and share. share is yeah, something you talk a lot about, yeah. but putting it into practice all right my one i'll be i'll be quick uh it's called independence day oh he's got um, a title <laughs> yeah i've got a title um my youngest learned how to ride a bike this weekend and uh uh i was probably a bit late with her uh compared to the other two in terms of helping her figure it out but she was so determined she um she uh went for a walk with uh with uh, uh her brother and her mum and a couple of others and there was a there was a girl who was younger than her who was just who'd been riding since a very young age and kind of offered her the bike and she, you know she came back she was like really embarrassed said right dad you, you have to you have to like teach me so we i was like right okay we can do it at the weekend so she got it uh like most of it on friday uh, on saturday and i was I, like, I walked away thinking okay we might take you know it might take a, a little well and then she woke up on sunday and she's like we had breakfast she's like, i got a good feeling about today <laughs> yeah and uh and then like we went out and this you know the sun was out it was a lovely day and there's a little sort of um empty car park um not far from us and she just got on the bike and you could just see the determination and she just did it and then she was just like riding around and uh and it was just before school went back yesterday. So I think um, just you could just see the independence and how proud she was of herself. And uh, so I called, you know, Sunday, uh, the uh, 7th of March, Independence Day for my little girl. Oh, mate, that's so good. <laughs> I could almost tear up listening to that, genuinely. 
yeah brilliant i love it i obviously i heard the story the weekend but yeah uh yeah. to hear you talk talk it through like that and to see your face and that when you talk about it yeah you had your teeth it's, uh done? huh you had your teeth done no mate they look in in lockdown thank you sir uh but yeah to see your face <laughs> <laughs> that's because you've just smiled through the whole time of talking about that by the way yeah, massive know, beaming I'm, smile yeah, which is super happy yeah yeah amazing i, I really love today's conversation yeah uh, me you too. know me too. i think we we talked about some really important stuff without it getting too um heavy and yeah. uh, uh i just really enjoy it really appreciate this time we have together and uh look forward to the next one amen Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kai.